I'm going to start by asking, have you ever heard of the term of a circular definition? Um, I'm going to try to explain it in a way that I think here in South Florida we can relate to. Um, We have a pretty flat elevation here. And so if someone said to me um, in a conversation, they mentioned a hill. I might not know what a hill is. And so if I looked that up in my Merriam-Webster's dictionary, I would find the definition is a usually rounded natural elevation of land lower than a mountain. Well, that doesn't help me at all. If in South Florida I don't know what a hill is, I certainly don't know what a mountain is. And so I would have to look that up, and I would find a mountain defined as a landmass that is higher than a hill. As you can see, this is not helpful. Really, uh, both definitions, both words, simply point back to themselves. And that's what a circular definition is. It's a word that is defined by itself. Or another way that you can say that is a circular definition is a definition that is circular. Um, Proverbs has a beautiful verse that at first can also seem circular. Proverbs 9.10 is a verse that my daughter has memorized this year. And in our home, um, memorizing really anything usually has hand motions associated with it. So I'll run through it twice with you. If you want to join me on the second one, you can. It's Proverbs 9.10. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10. I'll do it one more time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10. Good job. (laughs) Thank you. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom. Those three words seem interchangeable, and they're often used in ways that are. Their meanings overlap with one another, and they can feel like a circular definition. But scripture shows that they're actually three distinct words. They're concepts that build upon one another. And yet they're still fluid. They don't just stay within their boundary of definition. They overlap. They transition. They're connected to one another. They're dependent upon one another. And yet there is also a progression. So I'm going to give you a little history. There was a man named Martineus Capella. And in the early 400s, he wrote, first wrote about the concept of education or learning, which is the segment that I'm talking about today. And in those medieval times, he wrote an allegory. An allegory is um, a long metaphor where something inanimate is personified. And his um, book is called The Marriage of Philology and Mercury. And in the story, these two... um, At their wedding, they're given seven wedding gifts or areas of study. And this book shaped the concept of education in medieval Europe um, considerably. Um, You'll see those exact same stages of learning in the teaching of Plato, the great Greek philosopher of the late 400s. In his book, um, The Republic, he took those Um, that metaphor, that allegory, and he applied it directly to education, to learning. Um, So those same seven areas are then called the, he called it the trivium, which is grammar, rhetoric, and dialectic, and that's followed by the quadrivium, which was arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy. His defined areas, that grammar, rhetoric, and dialectic, can easily be seen in those same terms that we looked at this morning in Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, 
Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Let me look at those words and define them for you a little more. Knowledge is that acquisition or the collection of rules or facts. It's the vocabulary of the subject. Proverbs 18.15 says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. It's to gather. It's to acquire the information. The Hebrew word in Proverbs is da'at. It means to know. It's gained through the senses. It can be personal or it can be technical. It can just be the vocabulary. Understanding. Understanding, Proverbs 119, 130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Understanding is reasoning with those facts. It's seeing how they interact with one another. It's questioning the information. It's investigating it, analyzing it, seeing what that foundation of knowledge means. The Hebrew word is binyah. It means to understand or discern, intellect or intelligence. And then finally, you have knowledge, understanding, and then wisdom. James 1.5 tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Wisdom is understanding the information. It's applying it personally through practical application. Um, It's the ability to judge that, to evaluate that, and then to be able to articulate it, to explain it. Chokmah is the Hebrew word, and it's a wise, skillful experience or judgment. And it's always, in Scripture, a positive word. It's always seen in a positive sense. The fear of the Lord is positive. It is wisdom. So, as a mom, to unpack that and explain that in ways that I know you can all relate to, when your children are very young, they start by learning sounds they can, and speaking them. They say mama, they say dada, and they start to learn the ABCs, A, Z, O, and that's the knowledge phase. As they begin to grow, they take those letters and those sounds and they begin to put them into words. And they can say mommy, and they can say ball, and they can say daddy. And as they put those letters together on paper, they can read them, they can write, they can make words, they can make sentences. That's understanding. And then finally, as they continue to grow, they can hear those words, they can read those words, but they begin to apply those things. They can discuss them. They can have conversations with you about them. That's wisdom. So knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But our topic this morning is knowledge at moms, and so I want to look specifically at that in a biblical context with um, the focus on how we can apply knowledge for ourselves and then for our children, what that looks like. Um, We live in an amazing time of great resources um, for commentary and notations. There's all kinds of things online. There's different books. Some of it might even just be in your own Bible, depending what version you have. Um, But I would suggest that all of that is actually understanding, building to wisdom. And knowledge comes before wisdom and before understanding. It is the foundation upon which it is built, and nothing firm can be built without that foundation. It's the building blocks, the stepping stones, the vocabulary, the starting place. And so this book, your Bible, scripture, it is the one and only resource that you need. It is your firm foundation. Nothing else needs to be added. This is God's word, his love letter poured out for you. Where you start is knowing this book. And so in this book, 
what's been put together as one book. It's actually 66 books. Um, it's been bound together for less than 800 years. It has many different authors, um, but it's been put together as one library of God's word for us. It's written, uh, it spans over a 2,000-year time period. It's generally divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is about twice the length of the New Testament and um, was written over a time period of about 1,000 years. And then what might be a blank page in your Bible between the Old Testament and the New Testament was actually a 400-year gap of silence. And then the New Testament begins, and that was written over a period of about 50 years. So why am I telling you this? Um, Because knowledge begins with first knowing what this book, these books are, um, and what those books are about. And so there's a lot of ways to do this. But the goal, again, is knowledge for you and knowledge for your children. And so songs are a fun way to do this. Um, Learning the names of the books of the Bible set to music is a great way to memorize. Um, Our family does a program called Classical Conversations, and they have an Old Testament book song and a New Testament books. I've had friends that have done Awanas, and I've heard they also have great songs for both. Um, I have a good friend with very young children, and she uses these CDs called Slug Bugs, which are very catchy little... um, Songs. There's, you can look on YouTube. There's raps. There's all different kinds of styles. I actually found um, this. You can't see it very well. This was. It is a page from a hymnal. This song was printed in 1931. And what I liked about this was the reminder that this idea, long before YouTube or CDs were ever invented, this concept of setting something to music for the ease of memorization, this is not a new concept. And so this is a Books of the Bible song from the 1930s. And so um, I would encourage you, find whichever one works for you. You want the kind of song that gets stuck in your head, you know, kind of like a Disney tune that you can't get it out or let it go. Um, (laughs) um, As I told you earlier, in my home, hand motions work really well. We use them um, quite a bit. And so when when I'm working with my children on learning the names or the order of the books of the Bible, what I've done is I've taken a simple hand motion and I've put it with each book of the Bible to tell them a little bit about what that book is about, to, um, to jog that memory and make that connection. And by the way, this, oh, go back one for me. Um, that beautiful slide with the books of the Bible is in your magazine and can be used as a printable. If you look at that, you can, this is yours, you are welcome to take this and like tear it and cut it and use it however you want. This page specifically has, it says printables at the top because it has this on one page and this verse on the other. I've taken them out before and put them in frames in my home. They're beautiful. So use them as you can best um, take advantage of them. So what I'm going to do is show you the books of the Old Testament. I'm going to show you simple hand motions that our family uses to go with those. Hopefully I won't go too fast, but it can give you some ideas of what, what we do. So Genesis. The word Genesis means beginning. Beginning, Genesis. The Exodus is when the Israelites exit out of Egypt. Exodus. Leviticus is about the law and the Levites. Leviticus. And Numbers is the counting of both the Israelites and the number of years that they wandered in the desert. Numbers. Deuteronomy repeats the law. Much of what is written in the books of of, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers is repeated in the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those first five books of the Bible are called the Torah or the Pentateuch. They're the law, the books of law, and they were all written by Moses. 
Next, we have Joshua. Joshua led the people into the promised land. Led the people into the promised land. Joshua. Judges. Judges were the rulers over Israel after Joshua, before the kings. Judges. Ruth. Ruth was a woman who loved God and cared for her mother-in-law. Ruth. First Samuel. First Samuel tells us about King Saul and King David. Second Samuel tells us more about King David. First Kings is about King Solomon and the kings over Israel and Judah. King Solomon, Israel and Judah. Second Kings is about the last kings over Israel and Judah. First Chronicles again tells the story of King David and King Saul, or King Saul and King David. Second Chronicles again tells the story of King Solomon and the kings over Judah. Ezra. Ezra tells of when the Jews return and rebuild the temple. Ezra. Nehemiah, the Jews rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. Esther was a brave and beautiful queen. Brave and beautiful queen. Those books from Joshua to Esther, those are considered the history books. The history books of the Old Testament or of Israel. Job. Job suffered much but loved God. Job. Psalms. The word psalms means songs to God. And many of them were written by King David. Psalms. Proverbs are wise sayings. And many were written by King Solomon. Ecclesiastes tells us that life without God is meaningless. Life without God is meaningless. And Song of Solomon is a love story. Job, through Song of Solomon, those five books are considered the poetry books of the Old Testament. And then we get to Isaiah. Isaiah says, Emmanuel, God with us, will come as a child and be pierced for our transgressions. Isaiah. Jeremiah. God is long-suffering. Jeremiah. Lamentations. The word means a great sadness because Jerusalem is destroyed. Ezekiel. Jerusalem has hope. And Daniel. Daniel prayed but was thrown into a lion's den. Rawr. Isaiah to Daniel are the major prophets of the Old Testament. Hosea. Hosea tells us that God is faithful. Even when we are not, Hosea tells us he is faithful. Joel is about repentance. Repentance means to turn. Amos is about measuring up to God's standard. Measuring up to God's standard. Obadiah, his name means a servant of God, and he's the shortest book in the Old Testament. Jonah was swallowed by a big fish when he tried to run away from God. Jonah. Micah is a warning of judgment, a warning of judgment. Nehemiah, or I'm sorry, Nahum tells us that Nineveh is judged. Sorry. Nahum, Nineveh is judged. Habakkuk is a conversation with God. This book teaches me that it's okay to ask questions. Habakkuk. Zephaniah tells us about God's judgment. Haggai encouraged the rebuilding of the temple. Zechariah, or Zechariah, tells us that the Messiah is coming. And Malachi, finally, says to love and obey. 
love and obey is Malachi. Those books from Hosea to Malachi are the minor prophets. And I want to switch to, there's a page in your magazine that has this hand graphic. So take your hand, put it out, and we're going to use this. I like this because you have your hand with you everywhere you go. Your children have their hands with them, getting into everything everywhere they go. So you don't need paper or pens for this. This is something you can do anywhere. But it's to help you learn the different sections of the Bible. So your fingers will be the sections of the Old Testament, which we just went through. So first, your thumb is the law. Your pointer finger is the history. Middle finger is the poetry books. Your ring finger is the major prophets, and your pinky is the minor prophets. And then the spaces in between will be the sections of the New Testament. So Old Testament are your finger points, spaces in between New Testament. So first you have the Gospels. The word gospel means good news. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the books that tell of when Jesus was here on earth, the Gospels. Next comes Acts. That's the history book. So just as this was the history of Israel in the Old Testament, this is the history of the church, Acts. Next, in between here, is the letters. They're often called epistles, which is just a fancy word for letters. Um, Those are the books from Romans to Jude, um, and they're letters written either to individuals or to churches, um, but they were written as epistles or letters. And then finally, you have the book of Revelation, and that's a prophecy book. And I like that it's here because it's in between the major prophets and the minor prophets of the Old Testament. You have the prophecy books here. So hopefully this will help you. And like I said, this graphic is in your magazine as well. Games are also fun. I think we all like to play games. Um, Some different ideas are the Legos. And I would recommend using um, the big Duplos because you can write the words on them. The idea or the concept with any of these, though, is you're going to take them apart and scatter them. And then your child, or you, can put them back in order. So Legos are great. The cups, um, little stacking cups, are a fun way you can build them up in um, different shapes. Or you can just scatter them all over, and then your child has to sort through them. You can do this with anything that you could write the books on. So you can do it with popsicle sticks or um, slips of paper, clothespins, whatever you have. I also use... Sorry. Um, these are just simple little cards that I have um, printed out. These are only the books of the New Testament, and I printed two copies of them because then one of my children can sit down on their own, and they'll take half the cards, they'll scatter them or shuffle them together, and then separate them out and put them in order. Or what our family does is we'll mix the two decks together, and then as a family or a group of us, we'll play kind of our own version of Go Fish, and then the goal being that as a family, we have to put all the books in order. So these are for the New Testament. But the goal of all of this is not that you would be a champion at Bible drills. That's not the point. Um, I always tell my children, every Bible has a table of contents in the front of it, and it's there for a purpose. You should use it. Um, a lot of Bibles, like I love this one because I have tabs down the side so that I don't have to have that memorized. It's here. The goal is not, not that you know exactly where every book or every verse is. The goal is to have the foundation of knowledge upon which understanding and wisdom can be built and will be built. Charles Spurgeon said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal, and they're all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. 
To know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. This is important. And I want to end in the same book that I began in with a verse that Sarah and Cindy have also shared. Um, I'm going to take it back a little bit before that. But it's the book of Proverbs, which is known as the book of wisdom or the book of knowledge, the book of understanding. It begins in chapter 1 by telling us to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive and to the young person, that's our children, knowledge and discretion, A wise mom will hear an increase in learning. A mom of understanding will acquire wise counsel. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and understanding. Thank you.